Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. The promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible citizen-centric government? Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician, and she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and postpartisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, here's your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. Hard on the heels of the announcement that the United States of America has passed the 3 million mark in confirmed COVID-19 cases, something we might call an out-of-control fire of infection racing across 39 of our 50 states, it's not really surprising that Joe Biden would weigh in. And he has weighed in with his blueprint to rebuild the American supply chain for COVID-19 critical products and beyond. The word blueprint sort of implies that there's a whole set of specified detailed goals and tasks here, a virtual what to do step by step. Despite the virtual blue ink on this document, she says in air quotes, this is a white paper, not a blueprint. You're listening to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. I'm a businesswoman, not a politician. I don't make problems, I try to solve them. And there are next to no specifications in the Biden blueprint. And none that can be executed on day one, or heaven forbid, might be good enough to be actually adopted by the Trump administration, CDC, or FEMA, since they seem to be out of ideas. And some of the things in the Biden paper do make sense and would relieve suffering. But boiled down to its essence, the white paper lays out a series of steps the Biden administration will take during its first 100 days. Oh, they're going to use the full power of the federal government to rebuild domestic manufacturing capacity of our supply chains of critical products. You want to scare the heck out of me? That's a way to do it. Implement a comprehensive approach to ensure that the U.S. has the critical supplies it needs for future crises and its national security. Wow, what a concept, but it's absolutely an accurate one, and we weren't there and work with allies to protect their supply chains and to open new markets for U.S. exports. Yes, of course, we should. We will. We are. Ah, well and good. But even if step one in this plan could be fully implemented through the use of the Defense Production Act, as Biden suggests, If the planning for this manufacturing capacity for critical COVID-19 supplies is not initiated until January 21st, 2021, hospitals by that time 
since we expect a second wave and we're certainly seeing a massive tsunami in the first wave, well, hospitals would be out of supplies and equipment many months before the plan could be actualized. Remember, they're going to plan for 100 days. You don't start the building until the 101st day at the earliest under this plan. And starting that planning process in January 2021, well, folks, talk about a day late and many dollars short, as is typical when the federal government tries to manage sectors of the economy. It's not their forte and it's not their job. But thankfully, General Motors, Ford, Honeywell, 3M, Oakley Sunglasses, Gilead Pharmaceuticals, Johnson & Johnson Pharmaceuticals, and thousands of other U.S. corporations have stepped up to convert existing manufacturing capacity to create needed PPE and other supplies without the coercion of the Defense Production Act. And despite the best efforts of the Trump Coronavirus Task Force to scuttle their efforts, we've talked about this in the past. Because you know what? It's good business for these major American corporations. And, you know, if there is some financial assistance through the Defense Production Act, well, if you've got to convert your factory, you should probably, for a national purpose, you probably should be compensated for that conversion. But remember that those ventilators, the GM's manufacturing, cost as much as a car, about twenty-five to $30,000 a unit, and we're exporting them. So it's good business for GM. This planning process extends, the, that is planned by the Biden administration, extends to vaccines if one is developed from the several candidates now in trials. I have some ideas on that, but I'm not ready to share. Scaling up supplies and managing the distribution of initial doses of vaccine is to make sure that the most vulnerable get vaccine first has now become a government responsibility under the Biden plan. And you know, working with the healthcare industry Maybe that's a laudable, that's a laudable goal, but remember what a mess of test of the testing the CDC has made. Do you want to repeat that with the vaccines? Or should it be the private sector working with the American Hospital Association and the AMA that comes up with a plan on how we determine who in what priority people get vaccines? I would think that. Uh, frontline uh, essential workers would go first. Like that kind of makes sense to me. But neither of the positive statements about vaccines that are included in the Biden white paper address the issue of what if. What if there is no vaccine in early 2021 in the midst of a raging course of infection? And that's a 50-50 probability. And this document makes no mention of that possibility. But what worries me even more is the certainty of failure written into the statement itself. Because Biden will institute, if he gets his way, an ongoing comprehensive government-wide process to monitor supply chain vulnerabilities, I am quoting, 
designate vital products where the U.S. needs to address supply chain, chain vulnerabilities and immediately close identified gaps. The word government, the words government wide in my little air quotes should strike fear in the hearts of every American. We know that government wide is a synonym for too slow and too many rabbit holes drilled down and codified. Only after the government-wide process is established under the Biden plan will the bureaucracy reach out to partner, quote unquote, with the private sector. The private sector has to deliver on this. You don't plan it out in a bureaucracy that's never made a paperclip and then tell the private sector that they've got to deliver. That's how you get $600 toilets. And how many six more $600 toilets do you as a taxpayer want to pay for? How many will it take before as a people and as a government, we understand that top-down government driven is too slow and too expensive. It will take 100 days of bureaucratic bumping into each other just to organize the first review. And then Biden proposes to make it a permanent function of government through congressional legislation. A quadrennial review, that means in perpetuity. That means to those not familiar with government speak, a permanent national government overseer board directing national manufacturing policy. Said another way, too much money diverted to those with influence rather than talent and ingenuity. How many of us remember Solyndra from the Obama administration? See, this is the kind of policy making that comes from Biden's agreement to absorb many of Bernie Sanders' advisors into the Biden campaign. The contradiction between a private sector-driven capitalist econ economy and national manufacturing policy is so obvious it requires no further commentary. The acknowledged situation, COVID-19, requires a national response to address and overcome shortages in equipment, supplies, personnel, and hospital capacity that is equally obvious and, again, requires no further commentary. The first step in the Biden plan could work if you modified it as followed. As follows. Sorry about that. First, this is an emergency. And we have a federal emergency management agency that is, by all reports, working well in support of state and private sector efforts. In other words, if it's working, do not get in the way. Governor Newsom has lauded the efforts as in California of FEMA, as had, has Andrew Cuomo in New York. Biden's transition team should work with FEMA and the states. And you note, I say the transition team, okay, to determine the needs in each state and within each state at the county level. Balancing these needs against existing inventory and already planned inventory. 
In other words, a standard quick gap analysis. Once you know what the gap is, you can work with domestic private sector manufacturers who have been banging on the doors at FEMA to get in to plan to close those gaps. And then, then you've got a plan. Then you've got a plan that you can execute on January 21st, 2020 with a simple signature on an executive order. Following that initial executive order that sends out the money to small Texas firms who can make PPE and can make masks but need help in retooling, well, you know, as soon as that order is in place, then you've got 100 days to gather private sector input, gather private sector input in areas of national vulnerability. We know what they are. They're in the defense industry. They're in pharma. They're in metals, utilities, technology products, the components that make up those sorts of products. And when I say gather input, it's, hey, here's what works. Here's what doesn't work. Here's what makes us, you know, what limits us. Here's where we need the government to step in and assist, back us up, not lead us, back us up. And you know what? When you look across all of those types of industrial segments, there is an 80% common core of issues. Access to raw materials, they may not be domestic. Regulation, the biggest burden American manufacturing labors under is over-regulation, okay? Regulation needs to be 21st century, modern, efficient, forward-looking, applicable, and sustainable. It does not have to be 70,000 pages a week, the current ad to the Federal Register. It involves labor costs and market sizes, domestic and international market sizes. It involves the capital, the formation of capital to support the application of artificial intelligence and robotics to speed and streamline production within the United States, which makes the labor component costs manageable. Well, and when you take all of those common issues and you decide which types of industry need to be, to get some kind of support or to be designated as uh, vital to national interest, you also have to look at things like the product life cycle and the end of life issues within that product life cycle. In other words, how long? When will it be obsolete? Is it then worth the immediate uh, expenditure of funds, or should we be looking for whole new solutions, even if that delays the sustainability by a year or so? All of those issues are what determine the feasibility of domestic manufacturing, and neither of them, with the exception of relieving the regulatory overburden, are within the expertise of government. It's a place where government needs to go and ask the private sector, work with the private sector, not determine for the private sector.
The Biden administration should work to create a framework that facilitates solutions to these problems. Private sector manufacturers can get, get used to getting to market faster with more competitive products. So the objective of government is not to create manufacturing policy, it's to get the boulders out of the road that will allow for the natural growth of our manufacturing segments. Coupled with funding research in everything from materials to moon-based pharmaceuticals to create the yeast, the starter for new markets and new products. $300 billion is what Biden is offering in basic scientific research over four years. And that is laudable. But we've got to remember one fundamental thing. America's government is not an engine of innovation. It is quite the contrary. Biden's objectives are to strengthen American manufacturing. And that's important to building the 21st century America. All of us, Republicans, Democrats, independents, we all hope for. Because when we have a strong American economy, everybody in the country benefits. But innovation, which is the essence of our economy, is a force which is released by demand. Yeah by you and me, by the consumer. And government can only act to inhibit that innovative spirit through prescription and overregulation. You want a perfect example of that principle? SpaceX and their successful moon shuttle. The government said, get us to the moon or to the space station with a shuttle that is capable maybe later of going to the moon. And SpaceX said, we can deliver. Not only can we deliver, but we can deliver something that NASA never could do. We can recover and reuse the rockets. That's American ingenuity. That's American innovation. That's a force released, not a force impressed by some government bureaucracy trying to quadrennially determine what the critical supply chain is. America's private sector is eager to work with a government that enhances opportunity, consistent with protecting the environment, guaranteeing equal access, and building a stronger, freer America. That's just plain good business, as well as some capitalistic patriotism. Winning the battle with COVID-19 and the battle for a second American century starts at the bottom with American small business and works its way up. The private sector needs to be able to tell government what it needs to enable growth. And in return, that private sector, given the tools to enable their growth, has to be willing to pay their own fair share in taxes. Joe Biden, a government-wide, top-down approach, in air quotes, is too slow for the situation you are likely to inherit in January. And made permanent, it is antithetic to what makes America the second largest manufacturing producer in the world, 200 times more productive per capita than China. 
you got to build on your on your strengths not work to your weakness to, down to your weaknesses a crisis is indeed a thing a sh thing that should not be wasted a shame to waste so instead of building a bureaucracy let's build on american entrepreneurship rather than stymieing it we'll be back soon with more on the biden blueprint oh scratch that the biden white paper because there are some nuggets of opportunity buried in the fine print maybe some work that could be effective in let's say the infrastructure space that might also help in our manufacturing enterprises the objectives are clear and on point for a 21st century america that is self-sustaining that is has provides access and opportunity for all Ben Sass and Mitt Romney would campaign on the same goals. The question, the only question that should separate Democrats and Republicans in this initiative is how you reach those goals. How do we create an efficient, effective, equitable 21st century society? That has to be the work of Republicans, Democrats, and independents for the next four years. Thanks for listening to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. You can learn more at reimagineamerica.org. Got a comment or an idea for a future show? Email Joyce at reimagineamerica.org or find her on Twitter at Joyce Cordy or at Reimagine Radio. Take a minute now and go to reimagineamerica.org. Join the forum. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you love the podcast, donate and tell others. You can invite Joyce to speak at your next meeting or conference through reimagineamerica.org. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at ricochet.com or c-sweetnetwork.com. That's c-sweetnetwork.com. Together, we really can reimagine America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.